Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Everybody, it is a new week on the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you, filling in for Sean Carey, who has the day off. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Visit them on Market Street in Sunbury or online at purdyinsurance.com. Today's show also brought to you by our friends at Sunbury Motors, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You can check the show out on Twitter at Steve Jones PSU. We're at the Steve Jones Show on Facebook. Send us a message with your comments. And we also have an email, Steve Jones at Steve Jones PSU at WKOK.com. And also we have SteveJonesShow.com to follow the latest sports news and Penn State news and notes and our latest show archives, which we download after every hour of the show live. And you can also find them on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or iTunes. You can also have easy access to that on the brand new Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app. If you haven't done so, delete the old one, download the new one. Fabulous new settings on that, so make sure you do that today to find all the latest podcasts there. And what an action-packed show that we had planned for today. Of course, lots of reaction to what we saw at the most controversial Kentucky Derby ever. The 145th running ends with a DQ. Maximum security was the winner, clearly the best horse, but then... Country House gets the win after a 22-minute delay in taking to do the video replay. And it shows that Maximum Security interfered with War of Will. And they ended up getting the disqualification, heading it to Country House for the win. First time ever that's ever been done on the track for the Kentucky Derby. And since then today, the Maximum Security owners have appealed to the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission... And so we'll see what happens with that. And also, word of note is, as of now, Maximum Security is going to be skipping the Preakness, which I find somewhat odd, but we can get into that a little bit later on. But getting back to what happened on Saturday night, Maximum Security was definitely robbed, I think, when it's all said and done. Now, the one thing I, I did see, they did go by the letter of the law. Seeing this on SportsCenter afterwards, yes, it was true that the, the rule is if you interfere with a horse that has a chance to place well or even win, then you do, do do get disqualified. And there was some contact there. I don't think it was as egregious as what the stewards indicated and why they ultimately handed the DQ. But there was some contact there. Both races didn't come close to kind of tripping up on each other when they came down the final stretch there. But again, I didn't think it was anything egregious. And it's also kind of been the consensus that the horse, uh, maximum security that is, Got a little bit spooked out because of the big crowd that was there at Churchill Downs. 160,000 fans plus that were there. And it kind of spooked the horse. But then the jockey pulled the horse right back. You can clearly see that on the replay. At least that was from my perspective. 
So I really overall just didn't see anything malicious at all. So while, yes, it kind of goes by the letter of the law, there was really, to me, no malicious intent or enough to overturn it. And I also tweeted this out, too, at the end of the race. If you go back to just the simple principles of video replay, we see in the NFL, we see in Major League Baseball, etc. If it takes you five minutes, let alone 22 minutes, to think about changing a call, you should probably stick with the call on the field. In this case, the call on the racetrack there, Steve. And I think it was totally done wrong here, and we'll have uh, plenty of reaction with that coming up. We have Lafitte Penkai from NBC Sports joining us at 435 today. Well, this is uh, what I think. uh, In Europe and Japan, this doesn't happen. In Europe and Japan, this does not happen. Okay, um, and the uh, I understand what the stewards are trying to do, so I got that. This is look; they know a lot of money is going to change hands, and 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 it did, <laughs> obviously. Um, and they looked at it over and over again. But, you know, I've, I've always had a theory that when it comes to replay, and it's a theory that's been developed, unfortunately, over, over time, <laughs> okay? Uh, and when I say developed over time, <laughs> I'm talking about, like, doing all the games that I've done. If you can't tell within 30 to 45 seconds that... <laughs> And move on. Let's get this over with. And clearly, with that replay, Steve, I, I didn't think I didn't see. As I said before, I didn't see any full malicious intent. Well, at here's all. the bo- well, but here's the bottom line. Okay, here's the bottom line with what to me with what happened. Did it affect the outcome of the race? No, because maximum security was the, right. clearly the best horse. He pulled away. In fact, after he made contact with War of Will. Right. War Will was already fading. Uh, now, does he get in the way? Does he get in the way of the horse? Yes. I mean, it's, it's no getting around it. But what gets me is that is that you know who objected? The objection came from country houses people. Exactly. And he horse, was on the other side. And guess which horse isn't even affected? Touched? Whatever. <laughs> country house. Not even affected. I mean, not even affected by it. And here's the other part to this, too, Steve, too, is they also, not only did they look at the video replay, but they also talked to the jockeys that were involved. I mean, you're just just spelling disaster for it. I mean, I've never heard of such a thing where you're going to talk to the parties involved. Of course they're going to give their own side of the story. They're trying to win the race. Well, yeah, uh, although you can, you know, look. This doesn't make sense. Well, it is. <laughs> what do we have? An opening at four oh six. We do. Today? Yes. Yeah. Dick Girardi is going to join us. Okay. <laughs> We're going to get, and then we'll get Lafitte on after that. Right. Yes. Yeah, so that'll be good. All Settling right. all all of us down here with the fiery reaction here on the overreaction Monday for a Kentucky Derby. First of all, who's going to watch the Preakness? 
No offense to country, to, uh, to the fine people that own and and Bill Mott's a great trainer. Okay, look, Bill Mott took a shot here, <laughs> and guess what? It paid off. <laughs> it did. Somehow it's, it did. I mean, in all, in all honesty, he literally just took a shot. They're like, all right, all right, we'll take a shot. And as I said in the open too, Steve, maximum security as of now is skipping the preakness. Yes. Well, yeah. You know, Jason Service, to be honest with you, is not the kind of trainer that likes to run close together on races. He's very conservative when it comes to that. Now, if maximum security had maintained as the winner, he would have run him in the preakness. And Jason Service is really an old-fashioned trainer. I mean, you know what he did with maximum security the morning of the race? He ran him a quarter mile. Guess what? Nobody does that. Old-time trainers used to do that. So this guy's always had that old-time training uh, trainer mentality. And he uh, doesn't like running them... You know, he would have done it because he would have been forced to do it. Right? He would have been forced to do it. But, to be honest with you, the... When I look at how this played out, Country House isn't affected at all. And I'm my initial gut feeling is this. Country House will not... I don't mean not win the race in the Preakness. Country House won't even be in the money for the Preakness. He won't be one of the top three finishers. Would not be surprising, one bit. Now, I know on the surface that sounds mean. <laughs> but it's true, though. He was 65-1 to 1 for a reason. Oh, I know that. He's 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 run seven times. He's now run twice. Won twice. And one of them happens to be the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Here's the other thing, too, about about that, Steve. And as, as I said before, as we, we both know, they went clearly by the letter of the law. But see, that law needs, either needs to be completely changed or it needs some sort of amendment to it. Because if you well, if you hit a if you make contact with a horse, and it, it's just a plain old horse like it was for War of War of Will, really didn't have much right. of a chance to win in our opinion. If Ed, if he had made contact with Country House or any other horse that was second place well, and, that, and that had a chance to win, then I can see them making an overturn here. But in this case, it didn't affect the winner, so why change it? It just that doesn't make sense right. to me either. See, that's how I looked at. It. I think this you have to use. Look, I don't blame the stewards. The stewards are in a very hard, hard spot. Okay, they're in a really tough spot. It's the Kentucky Derby. Incidents like this happen on tracks all over the country. All over the country, it happens every week. If we, if you and I were to get out into parks outside of Philadelphia. Watched a week's worth of races. Sat there with Keith Jones up at the broadcast booth. Uh, we would see a fair amount of these during the course of the week, believe it or not. Well, <laughs> uh, and what would happen each time? Each time there would be a disqualification. But because this is the Kentucky Derby, they put 22 minutes into it. The race lasted 2.03. <laughs> the appeal, the look at it took 22. It took, it took, 
nine times longer <laughs> to do this compared to the the race itself. And I also think because it's the Kentucky Derby, uh, there there is a standard. Which horse had no mud on the front of it and which jockey had no mud on his goggles? That's the horse that led the entire race. Uh, in Japan and in Europe, they would have told you to go pound sand. Get out of here. The United States is the only area with racing that has this kind of obstruction and appeal system. The only one. Oh, well. It is... It's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Preakness. I just sense, even though we had great ratings for the Kentucky Derby, I sense the ratings for the Preakness are going to plummet. This horse will not finish in the in the money. And that'll end that, and then nobody will go to the Belmont, and we'll go from there. It's... <laughs> Never seen anything like it. Every time you turn around, you feel like it's something you've never seen before. Uh, do I think... Uh, see, what's interesting is that I don't think what happened was deliberate. And if I thought it was deliberate, then I'd have a different viewpoint of it. I think the, like it's an animal. <laughs> And it was the animal's fault in this case because he's the one that got spooked. Yeah, I mean, it's an animal. (laughs) All right, okay. Why? Why is it on certain days that your dog will come to you, and other days it like looks at it like get out of here? Exactly. (laughs) Okay, it's an animal. You don't know. You don't know what they're thinking. They're even making movies now about what your pets think. Really? Okay, that's make believe. Nobody knows what your pets think. Well, this is a horse. Nobody knows what the heck it was thinking. Right? It's like so. Saez is sitting there like going, "Yo, man, hey, (laughs) hey, back to the left here." Exactly. <laughs> and he did that right was, away. Right. It wasn't deliberate. <laughs> right? Is he, he's, if he, now, if if I'm on a how many times on a race car, it's like, well, he just lost control of the car. Right? They don't blame the driver. He just lost control of the car. Science is like, I'm on an animal. <laughs> like, come on. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> so believe me, I don't think for a single second the guy's, quote, trying to cheat. <laughs> Quite the opposite. I think he's on there going, oh, God, I'm trying to hang on here. (laughs) Oh, wow. Very interesting. All right, take a break. Come back with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our great friends at Purdy Insurance. Animal. <laughs> How do you know what it's thinking? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. Well, you know, what did Saez do there? I tried to tell the animal to go over here to the left. <laughs> I was upset about uh. this and many other sports things this weekend, including the 76ers. Uh, we'll talk about that in the next half hour. I'm all fired up today, Steve. 
Well, I know your wife's concerned you might be too fired up going into the show. She's trying to keep you under control here, keep you, keep you balanced. Everything yeah. went through one ear and out the other, she said, when I was just going off after hearing the uh – the, the outcome of the while watching the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Well, just I mean, look, just tell her in no uncertain terms, okay? It's an animal. <laughs> I don't know what the heck it's thinking. Yes, help me a break. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> you know, look, I, look, the stewards are put in a just a, to me an almost impossible spot. It's the Kentucky Derby. I'm sure they grabbed the the one area they made a mistake though, and that, and maybe it's not a mistake. Maybe it's just on their part. If you notice the statements, very legalese. I think they're worried about being sued, <laughs> so so they didn't answer any questions. Who knows? Maybe we'll get sued for people that lost a lot of money. Well, it's interesting because my my son went to the derby, and he said when maximum security won, he says. Oh, man, my friends were just praising you up one side, down the other. 20 minutes later, they were cursing you out. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, I mean, Country House got booed. It was mostly oh, booze during the trophy I ceremony. I know. It was so awful. I said that, so I texted him back and said, I accept full responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, that payout was fifty one thousand four hundred dollars and ten cents for the for the super vector. Yeah. <laughs> super vector. But I know because somebody I, I think said to Dick, he says, Hey, go. He said if it, you're you're just upset because it cost you money. He said, In no way because Dick plays a box. He says, in no way did I have the 720 combination. I'm sure. <laughs> he says, he says 20 wasn't on any of my boxes anywhere. <laughs> Ember Keith Jones could not have predicted what we saw. I'm sure Keith Jones is the same way. Oh. You ever met Keith? I have not, actually. I've it's only seen him awesome. on Let's Go Racing. He is an awesome guy. He seems like it. Uh, he tells me that on Saturdays, he says, I'll be sitting up here getting ready to run a race. He says, I've got you and Jack on in the background. <laughs> ah, there the you game. go. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great, and his job is exponentially harder than mine. He's got to call nine races a day with, I don't know, five to ten horses in every race that are all different every single day. And he's, you know what? And he's got to get it right. Exactly. Yeah, I, that's a tough I, one to I, do. I, I can sit there and say, ah, Bowers caught that. Ah, wait, that may have been Fryermuth. It's not going to change any betting out there, okay? That's true. You can't, you can't get the wrong horse. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean, Bozo the Clown won? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Come on. That's not the horse that won. I was just, just to the went to the window. The announcer got it wrong. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all 
applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades, finding their customers the right insurance, whether it's auto, home, life, business, and getting them the best rate. You should check out Purdy Insurance, all right? They'll take care of all your insurance needs. Customer always comes first. It's a very simple approach to life, and they take care of it because they understand it. They'll get the work done for you. Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Looking forward to being at Penn's Tavern tomorrow night as we talk about the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament, which will be on Wednesday. All right, Sarah Todd, Philadelphia Inquirer, joins us to talk about the Sixers, who have now put themselves into a best-of-three series, essentially, with the Toronto Raptors. Sarah, welcome. Great to have you with us. Good to be here. I'm here in Toronto, live from downtown Toronto. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. Uh, Great to have you there. Let's start with this. Are the veterans, Jimmy Butler, uh, Mike Scott, are they a little in this league? If you're not 100, percent you have to have the ability to pull yourself out. Joel Embiid's not doing that. Are the veterans not exactly enamored with his approach? Yeah, there was um, a few comments from Jimmy Butler last night that seemed like he wasn't very approving of a couple of guys' approach to the game. To game four, that is, um, and basically what he said is. If you're going to play sick, then you have to still maintain an offensive aggressiveness. Joel went two of seven from the field in that game, in the game four loss. And that's just not enough from the guy who's been a leading scorer all season and who they expect to be a dominant force in the playoffs. It's just not enough. So, you know, if you're too sick to play in health, you know, is something that you really want to maintain, maybe, you know, chance tying it, but get healthy so that you could play harder through the final three games. Brown said that there was consideration for him not playing, but Joel was the one that eventually made the decision to go out. Yeah, he already he already pulled himself out of one game this year. It was what the game two against Brooklyn, which they won, uh, ironically. Uh, all right, so now uh, you've got this situation with Jimmy Butler. I want to ask you about Butler when it comes to his ability to fit in, how long do you think did it take for him to fit into what the Sixers were doing? You know, it's weird. I was, I will be the first to admit that I had a lot of questions about Jimmy Butler through the regular season with his time with the Sixers. He was really deferential. He passed up on open shots. He denied a lot of screens. He, you know, had complaints about wanting to be more of a ball handler and more pick-and-roll scenarios. But it seemed like things weren't fitting together. And there were tons of questions heading into the postseason. But a switch has been flipped. And I think that if 
if you're any player on the Sixers or any person within the Sixers franchise at all, whether it's coaching staff or front office, see what he's able to do in the playoffs. And he fits perfectly. There's not a problem. He takes the shots when he's open. He attacks when nobody else is attacking. And it doesn't seem like anybody has any complaints about Jimmy Butler at this point. And that's what you want him here for. That's why you need him on the team. Which then brings me to Ben Simmons. Uh, how concerned are people around the Sixers with Ben Simmons' level of play in this series? Yeah, that's a... Uh... I just spent like the last few hours going through a lot of the game tape and there were quite a few plays in game four where Simmons either had what looked like a wide open dunk or a layup or he had a step on maybe Pascal or Kyle Lowry and he just didn't take it to go to the rim and instead passed out or passed to someone else who was in even more defensive trouble than he was. and. You know, we know that this guy is not going to shoot jump shots. We know that that's not happening. But if he's also not going to attack the rim, then he becomes completely relegated to just hiding on offense. And then you're playing five on four. And so that's a really difficult position to be in the playoffs because every team is fighting on every possession. But if you're missing a player on offense, what are you going to get? Before the series began, I made the point on a show about a problem for Ben Simmons was going to be, in my opinion, the physicality of Kawhi Leonard. Uh, has that played out in this series? Has the physicality of Kawhi Leonard bothered Ben Simmons when they've been matched up? I don't necessarily that think that Kawhi has been any more physical with him as a defender than anyone else. I mean, Kawhi obviously has defensive gifts that other people don't, his length, the size of his hands, his lateral quickness, but the physicality I don't think has been anything different. I think it's maybe just his speed and agility defensively. Um, that, that still doesn't excuse any reason for Ben not being able to drive, especially when he's on a mismatch and Kawhi's not on him. He should be trying to dominate in those situations. What have you thought of Kawhi Leonard? I mean, see, I mean, you've seen him a lot before, Sarah, along the way. But what have you thought about uh, uh, about the level of play of seeing him on an everyday basis, like you've had the last week? It's it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know, there's hardly ever any like big reacting on press row or in a, a press box when you're at a game, but. You know, Kawhi hits these shots, and when you're watching it in real time, it's like, oh, there's a guy in his face, he's fading to the left, he's falling, he's not set, it's not rhythm, and his shot is super flat sometimes, and it just doesn't matter. They go in, he's like a killer robot, and nothing can <laughs> stop him. And so we're all sitting there on press row, we're writing our stories, and he takes the shot and it goes in, and it's an unbelievable one. We all just look at each other and shake our heads. And that happens, you know, many, many times a game over this series. It's It's been unreal to see. What about Kyle Lowry now? How well do you think he has played? Not great. <laughs> uh, right. It's, it's a little bit weird with Lowry because I don't know, I mean, being around the games and so close to them, it's hard to separate what he's doing on the defensive end from seeing him um, you know fall all over the place and complain to the refs a lot and 
even before last night's game, I had, you know, people coming to me and they're like, oh, Lowry talks too much or he, you know, he's messing around with fouls too much. And I was like, every person in the NBA does it. It's not just a Lowry thing. It's every person. You're just noticing him because you're watching the Sixers game. Um, but last night, I I kind of started to come over to the other side of that. And it is it is insane how much he talks to the refs and how much he gets away with talking to them and the volume that those conversations are at. Let me ask you about the officiating in the in not just this series but all the way through. There's obviously been before game two of the Rockets Warriors, it even came down to this guy is going to be officiating the game and he's you know he and Harden have problems and so forth. I mean we all know right. biases enter in, into it. But how do you view the officiating in the NBA right now? It's a tricky situation. There's definitely, you know, guys like Scott Foster and Tony Brothers, they definitely have a reputation around the NBA. And, you know, there's a reason that in NBA locker rooms before every single game, on the seats of the players, uh, their chairs next to their lockers, before every game they get a sheet of paper and it says who the officials are and it has their picture. And, you know, I can't imagine that that's for any other reason than a player identifying somebody that they either know they can get a call from or they can't. And, you know, it's a little bit of a dictatorship when it comes to the referees in the NBA because if you try to criticize anything publicly at all, you're fined. So you're penalized for, um, you know, criticism, which I think – is a little bit difficult to work around because yes, like sometimes the criticism is irresponsible and inappropriate, but sometimes there is reason to have a conversation. And if it's all done internally and it's not transparent, that's when the problems are. So you have the problem between being transparent and criticizing people in public, but being fined for it. So the players toe a weird line and I don't know exactly what the answer is. And I don't, think that necessarily the officials uh, need to be completely overhauled, but I think it's going to definitely be a conversation in the offseason for the league uh, what to do because it's ramped up a bit this season. And that brings me to the two-minute report. Two-minute reports are uh, done all the time in the NBA. It's not just done in the postseason, which, of course, brings with it, well, are they, you know... um, can bring with a criticism. Well, they missed eight calls in the last two minutes. They missed one call in the last two minutes. What do you What do you think of of the two minute report? I think the two minute report. Personally, I, I think it's a very flawed system. I I do not like it because, first of all, the the first problem with it is in its name. It's only the last two minutes, and it's not. Some people think that it is every game that's the last two minutes, but it's not. It's only games that are within, I think, uh, three or five points at the end of the game. So if it's spread out at all, the scoring margin, then there's no two-minute report. And so it's only close games, and it's only the last two minutes. So that leaves could potentially be, you know, 80 or so calls ahead of that that nobody has any idea whether or not they were reviewed, whether or not they were rightly called or wrongly called. And so... That's the first problem. The second problem is that it does nothing. I mean, it can it can only 
like in its very best case, a two-minute report is going to make one party mad and one party happy. And that just depends on which way you are on what side of, on which call. And so I don't, I don't, I understand that it's their attempt at being transparent, but uh, there doesn't really seem to be any benefit. And even if they are incorrect calls, there's no way to go back in time and change them. And there's no, you know, penalization or punishment for the referees for the wrong calls or the missed calls. So I think it's a very flawed system, and I do not like it. <laughs> well, it could be worse. You could be deciding the Kentucky Derby on replay. Uh, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There we go. All right, so now we get to what is essentially a best of three. So what right. are what will be some of the items you'll be looking for to play out starting with game five coming up? What are some of the things on your checklist where if it plays out X or Y, it'll determine the series? Well, we saw that, I mean, number one is just going to be how – either coach reacts to adjustments. The most recent one being that Nick Nurse decided to play with two bigs in the lineup with Mark Gasol and Serge Ibaka. And that happened in game four, and it feels like, and it seems like from what he said today, that that's going to be something that they're going to work with moving forward, too. So seeing how Brett utilizes what he has on his team in order to combat having those two big guys on the floor, especially when both of them can stretch the floor, is going to be... I think really interesting, especially and in particular with Game 5. Moving on from that, um, I can't imagine that there's anything that anybody has not tried to slow down Kawhi Leonard. It's already been tried. You're not going to really slow him down any more than you have, so you have to start eliminating some of the other options. You have to tighten up defensively outside of him. and. I think that if you tighten up too much more on Kawhi, you know, trap him more than Brett already does, or, you know, double-team him more than Brett is already sending double-teams at him, you are just leaving open the other four options that the Raptors have, and they are non-slobs on the offensive end. All of those guys can score. So I think, importantly, on defense, cutting down on the other options surrounding Kawhi, dealing with the adjustments, and then finally having... The Sixers stars have to play like stars. It cannot be Jimmy Butler carrying this team. It's not going to work. Sarah, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Enjoy Toronto, one of the great cities out there, and uh, we really appreciate your insight very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the game. Sarah Todd joining us from Toronto. Sixers and Raptors getting ready for Game 5 of that series, tied at two games apiece. Celtics, by the way, will play tonight um, when they take on the Bucks with Milwaukee up two games to one. We will come back with more in a moment. Dick Girardi next half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK brought to you by Purdy Insurance. <laughs> 